What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amateleka TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Tuesday, January the 18th, the year 2022, the week, wildcard weekend, I should say, recap is upon us. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here on this program. You better believe I'm going to get into my Cincinnati Bengals winning their first playoff game of my lifetime and first playoff game in 31 years. We'll get to that. We will get to the snooze fests that were the other game, Bills, Patriots, Bucks, Eagles, Chiefs, Steelers, Cardinals, Rams, which was completely unwatchable. On the <clears throat> aforementioned Monday, uh, unnecessary Monday night football wildcard playoff game. I mean, you see, let me ask you a question, and and it might not, and you could say, well, Jai, you, you know, don't be so quick to to uh, to uh, paint it with such a broad brush. To get it was a bad game, it was a blowout, all things being considered. But let me ask you a question. You all of you all, and I'm not talking about the people that were in the state in the stadium watching it, but to all of you out there that watched the game on TV Monday night. You know, did it feel like you were watching an NFL playoff game, or did it feel like you were watching your run-of-the-mill weekly, you know, Monday night football game? on ESPN and ABC with the Manning cast. To, to me, watching it, and I understand the game was bad and the game was a, was a complete bore and a blowout by the, you know, by the end of the first half, but it did not feel like to, it did not have that playoff. And the Ram fans showed up unlike they, unlike, uh, unlike what they did in week 18 against San Francisco. The Ram fan did show up, but to me, it did not have that, that extra oomph, that, that, that little, that little, extra pizzazz, cachet, gravitas of it, you know, that you typically get with an NFL play. And I understand it's the wild card, it's the wild card round, open round, but there's still like a certain gravitas, a, 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 there's something a little extra, there's a little extra spice, a little extra sizzle with, uh, you know, with a, with a NFL playoff game and you didn't get that with that Monday night game uh, with that Monday night game on Mon- uh, last night on Monday night, uh, whether I, I mean whether it's the fact that you, that it was like like a regular Monday night game, you had to wait all day for it, and there wasn't you know another Monday night football game to take your mind off it, whatever it might be, it did not feel like you were watching your regular you know your regular NFL playoff game. It felt like you was watching you know your your run of the mill Monday night football game that it, and for the last. Uh, you know, for the last month and a half or so, we've had some dud Monday night football games, which doesn't help either. But anyway, I'll get to that later on in the program. I uh, just wanted just to point that out here at the top because whether it was the fact that it was a bad game, I don't know what, but it did not feel like I was watching a playoff game last night. It felt like I was watching just a regular old, uh, regular old boring Monday night football game. But uh, but for what is for anyway, there's plenty of time to discuss that later on in the program. Let us begin with uh, you can make the argument of the game of the weekend or the game that 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 provided the most juice and the most storylines in the aftermath, and that is the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys NFC Wild Card playoff game on Sunday afternoon that it also happened to be the uh, the Nickelodeon game for those of you that uh, wanted to watch that for three hours. God bless you. But, you know, the, I, I am so sick, so sick 
of the Dallas Cowboys and the star and Jerry Jones and the white and wearing the white uniforms at home and the America's team and the stadium and 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 and, and the Jones family and the cheerleaders and Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and Mike McCarthy and Hart Knox. I am so sick. Sick and tired of the of the cow of the Cowboys as a football team and as a brand that they have been made out to be over the last what going on 50 years or so and that's been constantly and with the emergence of social media and the internet and 24-hour sports television. It's just, I, I, I'm sick of the Dallas Cowboys getting jammed down my throat, and I am so sick and damn tired of just watching them in the national stage on television. I understand they draw huge ratings. I understand that they're a brand. I understand that they're a recognizable brand. They're a, they are a recognizable, popular team, not just within the NFL, but within American sports altogether, up there with the Yankees and the LA Lakers. You know, they're that, they're, they're that polarizing. I get that. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's enough with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it, I, I am so cowboyed out. I mean, it's we got to hear what the owner has to say. You know, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, Quandre Diggs, whatever his name is. Uh, NF, Toronto NFL Network. We got to hear what Jane Slater has to say. We're, we're waiting with bated breath for every Jane Slater related Cowboy tweet. It's just, it's enough. It's enough with the Dallas Cowboys. And, and it's just, it's, it's just enough. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of it. Now you could say, well, Jai, you know, you're young. You've never experienced them win. So all they are to you is just a team. Located in Dallas that has famous hot cheerleaders, a billion dollar stadium, a, uh, a, a, a an, an ambitious, gritty owner, and you get sick and tired of that because all they never do is win because they never win. Well, you're damn right, all they all, they never win because they, as a franchise, have gone 11 straight playoff appearances without reaching an NFC championship game. Think about that. They have gone 11 straight playoff appearances. Without reaching an NFC Championship game. That's the longest drought by any team since the conferences were created back in 1970 post AFL-NFL merger. And in 11 of those playoff appearances, the Cowboys have, have gone one and done. That means first round playoff exit. Seven out of the last playoff appearances that they have found themselves into. I am so sick of the Dallas Cowboys. It is enough. Uh, and this team, this team is overrated. This team stinks. This team collapses when it matters the most. This, this has been their M.O. for God knows how many years. Okay. D Dak Prescott, all I ever hear about is Dak Prescott this, Dak Prescott that, Dak Prescott comeback player of the year award, Dak Prescott is so great, Dak Prescott top 10, top 5, Quarterback in the National Football League. Enough. When you got when you signed that contract extension like he did after he broke his ankle in the 2020 season, he's making 70 plus million dollars a year. Well, you are a 70 plus million dollar a year quarterback that is wearing the Dallas Cowboy uniform. 
that is that gets lewd in comparison to to greats that have worn that uniform and played that position. And no, I'm not talking about Tony Romo or Drew Bledsoe. I am talking Rogers. I am talking Don Meredith. Look him up if you have no idea who Don Meredith is. I'm talking about Don Meredith. I'm talking about Roger Staubach. I am talking about Troy Aikman. Those are all-time Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks, and Dak Prescott is not is uh, is not one of those. Not now, not yet, not never. He's never going to be. He is overrated. Okay, if you took anything, anything from Sunday's game, is that Dak Prescott is one of the most, if not the, he's he's. You can make the argument, and I can't believe I'm saying this. You can make the argument, make the argument. He's more overrated than Matthew Stafford. You can make the argument because because when the hey Matthew Stafford got it done Monday night I'll get to him a little bit later on but Matthew Stafford got it done and it took it took him and took it took him until his fourth time and I'm not saying that Prescott you know has that monkey on his back as far as lack of playoff wins but you get the idea when you're making seventy million dollars a year and you and you have a home playoff game in your building. On CBS, there are probably 50 million people watch if you account for the 5 million probably tuned into that Nickelodeon broadcast. The, the, the place was sold out. Pack to the gills. Okay? And you're not playing the Seattle Seahawks or the Detroit Lions. You're playing the San Francisco 49ers. Okay? One of the Cowboys, a, 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 out of a historic, Historically speaking, one of the Cowboys' biggest out-of-division rivals next to Green Bay when it comes to historic rivalries outside of the NFC East. The San Francisco 49ers, the catch in the 81 championship game 40 years ago, the week prior to the game. I could, don't, I, I could recite you all the 90s NFC championship and NFC playoff games that those two teams uh, went at it back in the decade of the 1990s. Okay, they, they, they go way back. Way back, these two franchises. Unless you, unless they were playing Washington, the Giants, or the Philadelphia Eagles, or the Green Bay Packers, it gets no bigger than 49ers Cowboys in the playoffs in January, winner go home football. It doesn't get any bigger than that. The bright lights of CBS. Probably 50 million people watching on tell Hell, there was about 50 million people that watched them thereabouts when they went up against the Raiders in a regular season game on Thanksgiving. God knows how many watched a playoff game. And you also had the added network of the Nickelodeon audience. The big stage, 4.30 Sunday afternoon, CBS. Tony Romo, who who doesn't shut up, can't let the game breathe to save his life, and 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 and, and Jim Nance and Tracy Wolfson, the big stage. All right, C CBS bought CBS bought the 4:25 Sunday Wild Card Weekend uh, window for 70 million dollars and lucked out getting 49ers Cowboys. The big stage. He's making $70 million a year. And what he could give me was 23 of 43, 254 passing yards, one lousy touch the touchdown pass, one lousy touchdown run, and an interception. And he was sacked five times. That's not championship-level football, okay? Furthermore, and it's not just on deck, it's on his entire team. The, the Dallas Cowboys lead the universe, 
lead the universe in penalties. They are one of the, the most penalized teams in all of the Heading into Saturday afternoon, one of the most penalized teams out of all the 14 teams that qualified for a playoff spot in the 2021 NFL regular season. They lead the league in penalties. They are undisciplined as hell. 14 penalties, a franchise playoff worst. One more time. 14 penalties, a franchise playoff worst for 89 yards. Okay, they're undisciplined as hell. Jumping off sides. I got Randy Gregory. How in the hell are how in the hell are you a defensive lineman and get called for a holding penalty on a defensive line when the 49ers are intentionally trying to run out the clock to end the game? How in the world do you get called as a defensive lineman for a holding penalty? Explain that to me, please. Explain the neutral zone infractions. Explain explain the false starts. Explain the holding calls. Explain lining up offsides. Can, 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 can somebody explain that to me, please? Can somebody explain? This team is undisciplined as all get out. Undisciplined. And it's funny, you know, when the game started, and give my father credit, I watched the game with I watched the game with him Saturday after uh, Sunday afternoon, and he goes way back to the to the to the Steve Young versus Troy Aikman uh, with uh, with Jerry Rice and Charles Haley, but uh, Charles Haley, Emmett Smith, uh, Dion when he was on both sides of this rivalry, played for San Francisco, played for Dallas. He goes way back, way back. With uh, with uh, with, he's uh, he's too he was too young for the eighty one championship game with the catch. It goes way back of Dallas versus San Francisco in, back in the nineteen nineties. That was NFL playoff football at its finest. He goes way back, and he told me, you know, we're watching the tail ends of the of the uh, CBS pregame show because because uh, of course uh, Philadelphia and Tampa was a foregone conclusion. We were bored stiff, you know, trying to find trying to find something else to watch. So we actually sat around and watched the NFL today pre the NFL today pregame show for a couple minutes. And when they had the cameras on both teams. Walking out of the locker room prior to the pregame introductions, my dad sat up there and said, "Boy, Dallas looks flat. Look at them. They no energy. Nobody's hype. Nobody's energetic. Look at their body language. They are as they are flat as can be. Holy crap!" Meanwhile, you flip. Meanwhile, all you gotta do is flip to another camera shot about about a about fifty feet down the hallway, other side of the field. To the San Francisco locker room, they had a guy with a, with an obnoxiously oversized boombox. George Kittle's getting his players hype in the tunnel. The players are all you know they they're vibing, they're dancing, they all they they're all giddy. They're jumping up and down, full of energy. Dallas Cowboy Dallas Cowboy players heading out of their locker room, heading down the tunnel, ready to get introduced as flat as a IHOP pancake, flat. Flat as can be, flat. They 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 were they were as flat as as a as a as a five year two liter soda pop. They were flat as all could be, flat. 
had no energy, nothing. And it translated onto the field because San Francisco got the ball back, or not didn't get the ball back, they got the ball to start the game. And what did Kyle Shanahan, the now head coach, something to be, that's another conversation. But as far as being a play caller and an offensive mindset as a coach, not a head coach, but as a coach in National Football League, one of the brightest, most brilliant minds this game has to offer as far as drawing up, uh, as far as drawing up an offensive game plan. What is seeing Jimmy Garoppolo do? That get the ball at their own 25-yard line to start out, and they march down the field, seven plays, 75 yards, 4:06 off the clock. A little Isaiah Mitchell, Debo Samuel in the mix, who are tremendous offensive players. What do they do? They punch downs in the in their quote-unquote elite defense right in the proverbial mouth opening possession march down the field like they never left picking up right where they left off in los angeles from the previous week boom bam whap seven nothing san francisco to begin this 2021 nfc wildcard playoff game flat as a pancake undisciplined penalties all over the place prescott overrated and he stinks and I don't, and how many times do I have to say this also? I said to I'm blue in the face, I don't care. I, how many times have I sat up there and told you guys all season long about how it is damning when you look at the box score and you see that a quarterback is throwing the football 35, 40, 43, 45, 47, 51 times in a single game? How many times do I have to sit up there and tell you guys that that's a recipe for failure? That you can't that you can't win games, can't win playoff games. You can't have long term, long sustained success doing that. Dak Prescott has threw the ball forty three times. The Dallas Cowboys with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, who's also making a fortune. They combined ran the football for sixteen times. Combined. Elliott Pollard. Ran the ball 16 times. As a team, they ran for 77 yards on the ground. That is completely unacceptable. All this talk about, well, Kellen Moore should get a whole head coaching job. Head coaching job my ass. He, If anything, he, he, should, he should find another job instead of trying to get promoted to a head coaching job. Because how can you, how with anyone with a lick of football IQ and a lick of sense within the sport, see that it's a good idea for a quarterback to throw the ball 43 times when they have it, when they have a a, 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 a first round running back out of Ohio State making bank, and they also have another, and, they, and his two headed monster, Tony Pollard, are barely getting touches. How is that a successful offensive game plan? Going up against a team that does nothing but run the football down your throat. How is that an, a, a successful game plan? I don't hear no, no rumblings about Kellen Moore being a head coach any damn place. You, you, you can't get more one-dimensional and more, and more unbalanced than that. Seriously. Zeke Elliott's making all this money is completely useless. Useless in the backfield. Useless. Was thrown to four times, caught one pass. 
So if he can't catch out of if he can't catch balls out of coming out of the backfield and you don't give him the football, and when you do give it to him, he does nothing with it. What is he good for? He's good for nothing. He's useless. Getting paid all this money to be a bump on the log. What is he good for? You give Tony Pollard four carries? I mean, really? And enough of that, Prescott. Please. ESPN and everybody else was going gaga, you know, doing handstands, doing backflips, head over heels over Dak Prescott, throwing five touchdown passes against the backup squad for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody, who in the hell, who gives a crap about Dak Prescott throwing for five touchdown passes against the backup Philadelphia Eagles in a meaningless Saturday night football game? Nobody cares. People making such a big stink. He threw five touchdown passes and put up 50 points against the Eagles. Who gives a crap? There were a bunch of backups for crying out loud. Gee whiz. Nobody cares. Whoop-de-doo. I mean, give, give him a, a standing ovation in the MVP. Please. Nobody cares about you dropping 51 and throwing five touchdown passes against a against a of a bunch against a bunch of practice squad players. Nobody cares. You threw five touchdown passes against a bunch of backups. Whoop de doo. How much further did it did it did it take them come come, come this past Sunday afternoon? You think he, you think Dad would Dak would trade those five touchdown passes for 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 a win on on Sunday? You think he would? My goodness, he's so overrated. Why? Because he has a star on the side of his helmet. And again, with all due respect. And I've said it all season long. With all due respect to him, I get it. I get it. The guy, you know, he, he, the brother committing suicide and the fact that he broke his ankle. I'm not disparaging that. I'm not making light of it. That's real world crap. And God bless him. Hope he he's able. And he looks like that he has has been able to 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 go through this life without having to deal with those terrors and those demons of the past. But with all due respect, people have made it seem like all season long, since training camp dating back to the hard knock stuff, has made it seem like what Dak Prescott's the only man walking alive out of the billions upon billions roaming the earth. Whose brothers committed suicide and had to also endure, maybe not around the same time period, but had to also endure a a, 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 a a traumatic, painful extremity injury? What is Dak Prescott, the first and the last NFL quarterback to break his ankle? Or the first and last NFL player to have a sibling take, take their own life? I'm not making light of it, but you got to be fair. I mean, people made it sound like all season long, all season long, dating back to August. What, 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 what did he, what did he climb up the, the, what did he go, go to war with the Nazis in World War II in the Battle of Normandy? Give me a break. My goodness. 
What what are they fighting of Iro Jima? Please go through the battle of Armageddon in biblical days. Please. It's enough of Dak Prescott. And I don't want to hear and I don't want to hear any cowboy player or any cowboy fan sit up here and make excuses. Well, the refs tried to screw us. Because all the all the Dallas Cowboy fan does love to make excuses and blame the refs and this, that, and the other, and replay NFL's trying to screw us. Bullcrap. Okay? I, they, they won't they, they still won't shut up about the about the whole Des Bryant fiasco. It's enough about blaming the refs. Alright? Part of the game. If you don't want the refs to stick their beaks into the game, you know what? Don't leave the, the game's outcome in the hands of the officiating. It's enough about the refs. And more about you guys. If it was if it was baseball, you guys would have one of the highest payrolls in the sport. Please. You're worth billions. You're put on television all the freaking time. You're one of the most recognizable, biggest brands in the National Football League. And yet, one more time, in your last 11 playoff appearances, you've gone one and done seven times. It's enough. Quit blaming the officials, put the mirror in front of your face, and look at yourselves. Alright, Mike McCarthy, don't, don't, don't throw the officials and the officiating underneath the bus. What you need to do is, is get in front of a mirror, look at yourself and say, Hey, my team is undisciplined. We commit way too many penalties. My, my quarterback is overpaid and overrated. Our, our offense is one-dimensional as hell. We can't run the football. We come out way too many times in these playoff games soft uninspiring, lethargic, flat as hell, and it falls on me. I'm the head man, I'm the head coach. The buck stops with me. We look at we look at we look in the mirror at ourselves first. It's enough. Okay, d d d d give Rich Basaccia and the Raiders all the credit in the world. When when Basaccia and Derek Carr and them was asking the post game about about that phantom whistle that shouldn't have been blown, that resulted in a touchdown that by the letter of the law shouldn't have counted in the Bengal game, Basaccia said, "You know what? Look, we're looking at us. Okay, the the officiating was bad on both sides." The game did not end with with Tyler Boyd catching a touchdown pass because the whistle blew while the ball was in the air because the side judge thought Joe Burrow was out of bounds. We looking at us. We we were undisciplined. We committed way too many penalties that shot ourselves in the foot offensively. We committed way too penalties on the defensive side of the football that kept drives alive for Cincinnati. We when we when we had the ball with a chance to take the lead or with a chance to make the game tight or with a chance to tie the game and we had the ball inside Cincinnati's twenty yard line, we did not get it done offensively. They they looked at themselves. They had self accountability. They looked at themselves. And if there's any team that can that can cry a victim and has and, and has a and, and and can play the the victim card, it's the Las Vegas Raiders of 2021. But the Cowboys, no, it it it, it it's the officiating, it's this, it's that, it's enough, please, it's enough. I, I'm 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 so sick and tired of it. It's enough. 
And instead of Dak Prescott sitting up there with, 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 with the chutzpah to sit up there and applaud the fans, which is an absolute disgrace. And if the NFL had any guts, they'd send Dak Prescott a big fat fine in the, in the mail to him so Dak Prescott can sit up there and make him pay for essentially applauding fans for acting like a bunch of delinquents and throwing trash on the field because the game didn't go their way. But instead of him applauding his um, uh, in, uh, applauding that immature, arrogant, annoying fan base for throwing that garbage on the field, what he should do is look is look him and his receding hairline look like the McDonald's logo in the mirror and say, you know what? I played like crap. I make seventy million dollars a year as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboy franchise. I stunk up the joint, not the referees. I did. I played like garbage. Me, I'm the franchise guy. I'm making all this money. It's me. It's not the refs. The ball's in my hands. I'm the quarterback. Me. And instead of getting on the refs about, about the spotting of the ball, he should open up a rule book instead of being, you know how you were in school and the teacher made you say, I will not cheat on the text or cheat on the test a hundred million times on a little blackboard, a little chalkboard, a little whiteboard. Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore, because all three of them are complicit in that asinine garbage at the end of that game, should sit up there adding finitum from, from now until when training camp opens in California in late July, should study the rule that when you're running no huddle in a two-minute drill, as soon as the play is over, you get up, you find the closest referee, and you give them the football so they can spot the ball. This isn't your little annual turkey bowl and your and your pap's uh, backyard where you get to spot your own ball because you don't have any officials. It's the National Football League. They're there for a reason. You give them the ball so they can spot it for you. You don't get to spot your own balls. And furthermore, that speaking of that stupid play, why in the world would that play be even be called to begin with? A quarterback draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts? Are we kidding ourselves here? Give me a break. It's enough of the Dallas Cowboys. Gee, my goodness gracious. Back right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelic TIS podcast. You know, one a couple things to I want to address before I get to the Bengals' uh, first playoff win in 31 years. And it was 37 million. I watched the Thanksgiving game, not 50, but you get the idea. Um, and it's also uh, and it's one more thing about the Cowboys. You know, I also don't want to hear the Cowboys moaning, groaning, and complain about officiating because late. A, they were very fortunate to have that game, quote-unquote, decided by officiating because if the San Francisco 49ers, you know, had a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo and had a head coach that, that, uh, that, did, that you know, does, that uh, knows how to close out games, I'll put it to you like that, which Kyle Shanahan is not. When it, when it comes to closing out games and playing with big leads and big games, Kyle Shanahan isn't exactly... Uh, 
George Seifert or uh, Bill Walsh when it comes to that. They should have beat the Bengal, beat my Bengals into the ground back in December. They allowed the Bengals to come all the way back in the second half, tie the game up and send it into overtime. Uh, and then against Dallas, you know, they their largest lead of the afternoon was 28-7, to and they allowed the Cowboys to score 10 unanswered points to bring themselves within six. I mean, championship football teams, when they have a team down for the count, they give them the, they, you know, they give them the, the, the coup de gras to the jugular. And the 49ers, you know, essentially let the Dallas Cowboys beat themselves in a final quarter quarter or so of that game instead of the 49ers being the one to distribute the punishment there at the end. But, you know, it, it, but they were given many, many of, again, lucky, lucky to be in that game because San Francisco was dominating uh, uh, Dallas right from the opening snap, from their opening possession, from the opening quarter. So they were very fortunate to be in the game as late as they were to begin with. And secondly, all the opportunities San Francisco gave Dallas, and Dallas did not. Dallas did nothing with it. All right, Jimmy G overthrows his receivers, throws a bonehead interception. Dallas takes advantage of the short field; they score a touchdown. But you know, but they punt. The, the, but San Francisco on the next possession, nine plays, twenty-three yards. Dallas holds them to a, force them to a, force them to a, uh, to a, uh, force them to a punt at their own forty-one at their own forty-one yard line. They get the ball back, six plays, thirty-seven yards. Turnover on, uh, turnover on downs. It's like you, you, you. I mean, that's just that's not champion. That's not championship football. I'm sorry. I mean, you get you when when you when you get an opportunity after opportunity. You got to and again, Dak making seventy million a year. Six plays, thirty seven yards, one minute off the clock exactly. You know, after San Francisco goes goes. Three and out. I mean, think about it for a second. After the after the touchdown, after the uh, the first uh, the first uh, or excuse me, yeah, after the interception by Prescott in the third quarter, and they and San Francisco one play, they scored a touchdown with Debo Samuel. San Francisco punted Jimmy G interception, punted again, and uh, and punted. So 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 their final drives of the game their final drives of the game went punt after their uh, after their uh, touchdown it went punt interception punt punt and that was it and all Dallas could get from that was essentially 10 points they they kicked the field goal after San Francisco uh, punted the drive after they had scored a touchdown. They kicked the field goal, and then after the Jimmy G interception, they scored a touchdown. Fine, but then after after the San Francisco's final two drives, they don't put the ball in the end zone. So I again, I can't listen to the Dallas any no player, Mike McCarthy or the fan base. Give Jerry Jones credit because at least he had, at least he had an ounce of common sense and objectivity, and not to make to not make a fool of himself and sit up in front of the media in the post game on Sunday and say, "Yeah, the loss, we lost this game because of the refs." Even Jerry knew better than that. But you know, and San Francisco, Jimmy G, you know who, and I've defended Jimmy G, and he's played well relatively this season. Was very excellent in the Bengal. Was very excellent in the Bengal game. Was great in the second half against the Rams. And today, for about three qu- three quarters ish, he was he was pretty good. 
But the thing of you know, and he and he wins in a postseason. The only playoff loss he's ever uh, endured in his career was the Super Bowl. But for a player that wins a lot, he for he weirdly enough, as crazy and as weird as this sounds, he's guaranteed for for one or two horrendous bad throws a game. And granted, Dallas took advantage of that with the short field, put the ball in the end zone. What about the fact when San Francisco, their drive, when they didn't turn over the football, their drive simply stalled out and it, res- and, and it resulted in punts. Dallas couldn't put the ball in the end zone after that. You know, and, and Shanahan getting too cute. I mean, why in the world did he send, you know, Trent Williams, you know, in motion and going forward on that fourth and one near midfield. I mean, Mike, 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 or not Mike. Mike is his father. Shan, uh, uh, Kyle, yeah. Kyle, 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 Kyle. Don't get cute, okay? Don't overthink it. Don't don't outsmart yourself. Fourth and one, that situation, that part, that part of the field, read the room, you go for it. Nothing drives me crazy. I mean, all we hear about analytics this, analytics that, and... What, and you should go for it more often because the data says and the probability if you go for it, your chances win. I mean, for all of that, I sure do see a lot of times these NFL head coaches, you know, they act like they're going to go for it on fourth and short, try to do something cute. They'll either funky up their their offensive formation when they line up at the line of scrimmage. They'll do that dopey silent count where, they, where the quarterback says, hut, 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 15,000 times, unless the play clock run to zero, which drives me freaking crazy. Or in Shanahan's case, he'll, he'll put a tackle in motion, and Jimmy G doesn't have the wherewithal or the on-field awareness at that point in time to not let Trent Williams get set first before he snaps, before he snaps the ball. So as a result, false start penalty, Jimmy G's QB sneak that would have converted for first down gets negated. San Francisco has no choice but to punt. What is what is what did the Cowboys do right after that? They turned the ball over on downs. I mean, seriously. And then on the fake, and then also in the fake punt earlier in the game, which and I and I even tweeted, I said, "What are you doing, punting here, Mike?" And as soon as I set, hit click the send button, all of a sudden they run the fake, they get it, it's a first down, great. And then I tweeted later on, only Mike McCarthy can screw up his own genius because I have no idea what his thought process was. You can you get the biggest break of all time converting on a fake field on a on a uh, on a fake field goal attempt, something that at least that's one thing it looks like that you've practiced and worked on since uh, you know since last year when you ran a fake field goal play against Washington on Thanksgiving and and that play blew up in your face. But but I mean he gets the he converts on fourth down with the fake field goal play, and then all of a sudden he's running this funky formation trying to get San Francisco to waste a timeout. Hey Mike. Kyle Shanahan is more football savvy than you may realize. Okay, he he's he he's been around a good little bit. His father's a Super Bowl winning co uh, Super Bowl winning head coach. He's coached in two Super Bowls himself. Been around the block a little bit. He ain't gonna he ain't dumb enough to fall for, for, for to fall for whatever uh, hijinks you were trying to pull over him on Sunday with the fake field goal formation. You get the fake field goal. You get your special teams off the field. And you get your offense back on the field. All right. I mean, please. I mean, Mike. Seriously, what, 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 what? Can you explain to me the lot? I understand you try to make the illogical sound logical with with the with the with the QB draw play with 14, 12 seconds left in regulation. But can you make? But can you 
make sense out of that. And even if you are in some hair harebrained universe, think that that think that that decision is a good idea to try to somehow, some way, force San Francisco to call a timeout. Your offense should have had the play already together. So in the event that San Francisco, I guess, wasn't going to fall for whatever you tr- you were trying to pull over them, that your offense spurts out onto the field. You don't have to use a timeout. You don't get called for a legal substitution. They spread onto the field. They get set. They get lined up. And everybody knows what their assignment is. And everybody knows what 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 play they're going to run on that on that first down. Not not we'll sit there, we'll fart around, we'll twiddle our thumbs for twenty seconds, and then when we finally realize, oh, they're not gonna fall oh, they're not falling for this. Yeah, no kidding, Mike. And then have see Dak Prescott and his entire offense essentially sprint out onto the field while and while Dak's trying to call a play while they're all running onto the field ready to get set in their and their uh respective formate in their respective positions for the formation that Dak is calling that probably about sixty percent of the team could probably here because they're moving away from Dak trying to get set as he's calling the as he's calling the play and then you get called for a delay of game penalty one step forward two steps back really really disappointing anyway Shanahan getting getting too cute 49er offense stalled out and the Cowboys offense couldn't couldn't do a freaking thing with it not one and I got and I got to listen to McCarthy and Dak Prescott bitch moan about the refs. Give me a break. Give me a break. Anyway, let us continue. My Cincinnati Bengals. Thank God. Thank you God. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jehovah. My Cincinnati Bengals have finally, 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 finally won a playoff game. For the first time in my lifetime, for the first time in 31 years, my Cincinnati Bengals have won a playoff game in their first playoff appearance since that since that infamous 2015 AFC wildcard game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, when they blew up it within, you know, when they blew up in the final two minutes of that game, the Jeremy Hill fumble, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Pac-Man Jones, the illegal hit on Vontez Bur- I mean, just a complete firestorm. And we had that game right in our grasp, and we blew it. Uh, but the Beng- but all that's forgiven now, as the Bengals took care of business against the Raiders. It wasn't easy. They made me nervous. They gave me flashbacks of that Steeler game. But thank the good Lord they were able to pull it out in the final seconds and uh, win the first playoff game in over 30 years. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, who is first playoff game, first playoff game, first playoff start. Although the stat sheet won't show it, especially in the first half, he was just absolutely tri- he was just absolutely sensational for the game. He went 24-34, 244 passing yards, two touchdown passes. Got was only sacked twice in the game. A phenomenal job by the Bengals' uh, offensive line, keeping Max Crosby and Carl Nassib in check, which I told you heading into the game was going to be a key, 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 key part and vital part of us uh, of uh, success if the Bengals wanted to win the football game uh, in my honest opinion I understand that you can know you can quibble you can nitpick about a couple things you'd like Cincinnati to be able to run the ball a lot better than they did Mixon only got 17 carries 48 yards on the ground uh did not reach Painter in the game so uh, so uh, in essence a 180 of how he uh, 180 of how he performed against 
uh, Vegas back in November, the uh, week before Thanksgiving. But, you know, hey, if if Burrow has to throw the ball 30-plus times in order for us to win the game, then, you know, so be it. But, uh, but uh, you know, whatever it takes to win, the boys will be ready and they uh, know and they will uh, go out there and do and, uh, do what it takes and construct a game plan that's going to uh that's going to get this team over the top and when the clock hits triple zeros you know with the, with them ending up with the uh with the uh, higher end of the final score but you know bro and you and I paid attention to social media you know the entire game if you guys were you know what follow me on Twitter which you should by the way uh, if you followed me on Twitter and you were looking at my Twitter feed throughout the game, you saw that uh, you saw that you know that that I was just, well, I I didn't say anything because I know how I know that uh, J- that Joe Burrow's the real deal. But I saw all up and down my Twitter feed that people were like, "Are we sure that this is uh, that this is Joe Burrow's first playoff game? Like, are we sure that that you know Joe 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 Burrow's a second year player, ain't he? I mean, it's just and people are like, "Holy crap! Look at." How Joe Burrow, how cool, calm, and collected he is uh, in his first playoff game. This, that, this, that, and the other. And it's like, and, and Joe Burrow was like, yeah, first playoff game. You know, I've played many big games. Of, I mean, the guy is just so uh, he's so even keeled. His, his temperament, his attitude is the exact same. He doesn't get rattled. He doesn't get flustered by anything. And a guy just goes out there and just plays football. And whether he, if he has to put up flashy numbers in order for us to win a football game, or if he has to do the bare bare minimum, whatever the workload either lies in a game plan or as the game uh, moves and flows along, Joe Burrow's going to make sure as many times the ball's in his hands to throw it, he's going to put his team in the best position to win, and he's going to put the bo- football into his playmaker's hands. Speaking of playmakers, how about Jamar Chase and his first ever Playoff game as an NFL player as a rookie. Although he did not score a touchdown, 12 targets, 9 receptions, 116 yards. Ain't, ain't, ain't anything to uh, kick and scream about either. C.J. Uzama scored the opening touchdown of the game. Tyler Boyd caught the controversial touchdown pass, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but the Bengals, you know, they were excellent in the – they were excellent in the uh, – you know, they've been – it's ironic because they've been known as like a, a second-half team for the majority of the season. And I told you guys heading into this game that Zach Taylor was not going to have this team uh, – Flat, uninspired, unenergetic. They're going to come out there, all systems go, guns blazing, full of energy, hyped as all could be, especially with that raucous crowd at Paul Brown Stadium, which was absolutely tremendous on Saturday afternoon. What did the Bengals do in the first half? Their first one, two, three, four, five possessions, not counting the end of half kneel down, resulted in, resulted in, resulted in a score. Two there, they scored a touchdown. Their opening two out of the first three possessions to begin the game uh, ended in touchdowns. Their first drive of the game, uh, Burrow to Uzama to put them on the board to cap off a ten-play, seventy-five-yard drive to give Cincinnati a lead, uh, seven to three. And uh, and Cincinnati, you know, it, it, the the Raiders had the lead for all but one drive. One drive, then that was the Raiders' first offensive drive of the game that ended in a field goal. And once C.J. Uzama hit Painter uh, to give the Bengals their first touchdown of this uh, playoff run that hopefully lasts a little bit, the Raiders will not have the lead for the rest of the game. Although both teams' offenses did stall out in the second half, 
uh, with the Bengals kicking a field goal in the third and fourth quarter. They did not do a good job finishing off drives inside the red zone uh, with touchdowns. You know, they got to, they got to within Vegas's ten yard line. Uh, their drive stalled. Their drive stalled in a field goal uh, to begin to begin the uh, the second half. They got to Vegas's not inside the red zone. We got to Vegas's twenty-five yard line. That resulted in a field goal. Uh, they punted. It was a that was a horrendous. Their final their final offensive drive of the game was absolutely putrid. It was pathetic. Their worst offensive drive of the ball game. Had it not been for Jermaine Pratt and their defense making a goal line stand, they would have saved their worst offensive drive of the game. You know, for last, and lo and behold, it would have probably went. You know, been a, been their demise. Uh, you know, uh, Bur- Zach Taylor, you know, taking the ball. And I told you guys this heading in, you know, whether Zach Taylor won the pass, won the run the football, how to manipulate the clock, using the timeouts, all of that made me nervous. Now, hopefully, since he got away with it and we live to see another week of practice and live to see another week and live to play another game, hopefully he, you know, has, has done some self-reflecting and has learned from the mistake, that mistake he did in the Raider game because, you know, First attention on twenty six. I understand you don't want to don't want to you know risk a strip sack or don't want to risk Burrow throwing a uh, a, a season ending interception. But first and ten, you run the ball for Joe Mixon negative two yards. Second and twelve. I mean, what? I mean, find Jamar Chase on a find Jamar Chase on a slant pattern. I mean, find find Jamar Chase on a on a on a slant pattern. Something you know. Second and twelve. I would have taken a chance. And if you didn't want to throw the ball downfield to risk interception, I would have thrown it on second and twelve and see if you could have gotten at least you know seven, eight, nine, ten yards to set yourself up for a third and three, and then make Vegas think whether or not you're going to throw the ball a la Kansas City Chiefs style to put the game away, or you're going to give the ball to Mix and have it and have him run it, run it and ram it down your throat. And win the game that way. So, uh, play calling very dubious on that final drive of the game. Uh, and, you know, Burrow third and 11 finds Uzama for seven yards. And all of a sudden, fourth and four, two minutes left. I'm holding my breath. Uh, I, my, my heart's beating out of my chest. But if you were in the room watching it, watching the game with me, as my brother and sister were, you, you wouldn't know. You would have known I was nervous, but I, you know, I wasn't like, oh, come on. I, was, I wasn't very verbal about it. I wasn't standing up during that final drive. I sat down, heart beating out of my chest, quiet as a church mouse because, all, because I'm saying, I'm like, if we lose this game, I will be miserable for not to forget the rest of the night, the rest of the weekend. And I will come on to this show come Tuesday and either be so pissed off, I'll scream my head off for forty-five minutes. I'll be speechless. I'm like, we have had the we have had the lead for damn near the entire game. We cannot blow this game to the Vegas Raiders after all we've been through this season and how it looked like we were going to beat these suckers by by double digits like I predicted in the pick segment on Friday and we go out there and we choke and lay an egg to the Vegas Raiders and yet another year yet another January of playoff failure and all that's racing through my head I I, I want to explode and lose my ever-loving mind and, and have a conniption over that garbage garbage egregious asinine roughing the passer call that had no business being thrown and i'm like if the refs with our own self-destruction 
plus a mixture of the refs being incompetent again. Like I, I'm like I'm like y'all gonna have to pray for me because I, I I won't I won't be able to contain my anger this time, and all that's racing through my head replays the twenty replays of the Steeler game. I'm like, are we really gonna go through this again? And lo and behold, they get inside they get inside uh the red zone, and then you know Derek Carr throws the interceptions to Jermaine Pratt made a tremendous play. And it kind of hit me, you know, in the aftermath. Like, even if that ball is caught, there's two players, there's two players near the near um who's the receiver he threw to. Uh, there was two receivers near uh, Zay Jones. So he, even if he had caught the ball, he would have been he would have been a yard short of the end zone on fourth and goal, and would have been the game anyway. But of course, you know, more dramatic catch in the uh, game ending. Uh, a losing streak slash drought breaking uh, interception than him having catch the ball and you tackling him, you know, playing the receiver instead of playing the football and he gets tackled at the two yard line, which would have easily take taken taken whatever the word is either way. But still, the Bengals' defense made a stop when it mattered the most. They held the Raiders to under uh, under twenty under twenty one points. They only they only scored uh, they only scored one touchdown in the game, and that was prior to and that was prior to the end of the first half when they marched down the field, and when they marched down the field uh, eighty yards on eleven plays to bring uh, to bring Vegas within seven at twenty to thirteen. Bengals' defense did a tremendous job. They were moments like. Lots of moments in the second half where they could not get off the field on third down, which uh, made me very, which made me very, very, very nervous and scared. But when, but when the chips were in the middle of the table and the game was on the line, the defense made a play that needed to be made. Give Jermaine Pratt, give the Bengals defense tremendous credit as the Bengals win their first playoff game in my lifetime, their first playoff game in 31 years as they head to Nashville, Tennessee on Saturday to take on the number one seed of Tennessee Titans to win their first. Road playoff game. Hard to believe that that this franchise this franchise has been to two Super Bowls and they've never won a road playoff game, which is absolutely insane when you think about it. They look to end that losing streak and that little quote unquote curse of of you will of uh, winning their first ever road playoff game in the history of the franchise. Ironically enough, the quote-unquote losing streak slash curse began when the Raiders were in Las Vegas when the Bengals gave a season-ending hip injury to Bo Jackson back in the early 90s. They break the curse against the Raiders this time at home with the Raiders being a member of Los Angeles, or Los Angeles, Las Vegas instead of Los Angeles, and they get the job done 20-19. Uh, you know, Zach Taylor, dubious play calls in the final offensive drive of the game. You know, I would have liked them to run the ball more than they did. And the Bengals gave up a, l- a little bit too much chunk plays for my liking. And had the Raiders been able to hold on to the football, you know, their receivers, that is, when thrown to them, and had not the Raiders shot themselves in a the foot time and time and time again with pre-snap and offensive penalties, the Bengals probably would have lost that game. But, hey. Who am I to complain when it's their first playoff victory in my lifetime, and they're only two wins away from playing to uh, from playing in Super Bowl Fifty Six? We take a break, and we shall get to the snoozers of Wild Card Weekend coming up right after this.
Welcome back to the Amatelakitayas podcast. Switching gears now to uh, the garbage of uh, quote-unquote Super Wildcard Weekend. And there was a lot of garbage for a weekend that was hyped up by the NFL to be, you know, the greatest weekend of NFL playoff football. I mean, my goodness. I mean, anyway, I mean, you want to talk about there was some bad, 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 borderline unwatchable football games uh on uh on uh Saturday on Saturday night with the with the Bills and Patriots and early Sunday afternoon and late Sunday night I mean and the thing and the thing that makes it even there's nothing worse than a blowout playoff game because unlike a blowout regular season game unless it's prime time you know if a game is bad you can you can get off of it and, and watch red zone or if you have the NFL Sunday ticket you can go pick it you can pick you can go and watch and pick another game to uh to watch to watch instead you know if uh i give you a i give you a perfect example like when when kansas city pittsburgh was a blowout when they played each other in week 16 you know you you know you could get off you could you could get off that game and either go to the red zone or get off that game and watch you know chicago's last second comeback against the seahawks or or denver las vegas or um, you know, so you, know, you could you could you could go watch another you could watch another game, at, you know you could watch another game if that game happened to be a uh, you know happened to be a blowout as it was a few weeks ago. You know New England, but you know New England Buffalo when they played each other, I believe they played each other week sixteen last, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, when Buffalo beat New England thirty three twenty one. You could have gotten off that game and watched Rams Minnesota, which which ended up being decided by touchdown. Atlanta, Detroit that was decided by four points. Jets and Jaguars, if that suited your fancy, was decided by five points. So I mean you you know you get off Houston upsetting uh upsetting the Chargers. I mean you get off that game and go watch uh, watch Red Zone, or go watch another game if you're choosing on a Sunday ticket, or another game that's on your local, you know, Fox or CBS station. Playoffs, you don't get that unless you want to watch something, watch a TV show, watch a TV show right quick, or 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 play video games, or take care of a chore, whatever. You know, if a if a if a blowout playoff game is a blowout playoff game, you you're dead, you're stuck, you got nowhere else to go. Um, especially in a sport, especially in a sports landscape, because you know, because for the most part, the other sports try to steer away and clear away from uh, you know from anything going up against the NFL. You're not going to get anything on the NFL network because like everyone's like because the people that run the NFL network says, well, who's going to who's watching the NFL network when there's ex- when there's a live actual NFL playoff game over the air right now? And you were in that predicament for the major for the majority of games this weekend. Cincinnati and and, and to be honest, the two games ended up becoming uh, entertaining, quote unquote, crazy entertaining close football games. Really shouldn't have been. San Francisco should have blew out Dallas by 21 points at minimum, and Cincinnati should have beaten Vegas. By, by 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 at the minimum two touchdowns, and that game was was kept close because the two teams that ended up winning those respective football games, San Francisco and Cincinnati, their offense was stalled at, at the, their offense stalled in the final quarter of the game, where where essentially they were essentially they won the game because they showed up for somewhat 
uh, all four quarters, especially the, especially the first three. San Francisco, they showed up for the first half and the first three quarters. Dallas didn't wake up to the fourth. Vegas didn't wake up relatively until the until third, fourth quarter. And those are all the reasons why those two games were worth watching. So if you give it a grade of super, how, how super wildcard weekend was, to be nice, you give it a C minus. The grade it deserved was about a deep was a was a D D plus. I mean, again, outside of Vegas, Cincinnati, and uh, Cowboys in San Francisco, not games were garbage. You know, Buffalo absolutely torched torched New England on set on Saturday night. I mean, all off. I mean, you go look at their offensive drives: one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, seven, Se- like like the new uh, Silk Sonic song. Seven, seven, seven. Let's go. I mean, seven offensive drives. Seven offensive drives ended in touchdowns for Buffalo. Seven, no punts, no field goals. I don't even think they faced the fourth down all night long. Seven offensive drives. Seven of them. Resulted in touchdowns. They killed New England. They they were the first team in the Super Bowl era to score a touchdown of each on each of their first five offensive drives in a playoff game. I mean that is absolute. I mean that is absolutely unheard of. Unheard of. They killed the Patriots, giving Belichick his worst playoff loss of his career. Uh, as a New England Patriots head coach, the one that comes close, that comes close, that held that mark prior to Saturday night was when Belichick and his Patriots got steamrolled by Ray Rice and the Ravens in the first round of the 2009 playoffs when they when they when they lost by 20 when they lost by 20 when they lost by 20 when why can't I speak English when they lost by 20 plus points. That was Belichick. I can even I can pull up the game specifically uh, if you may wish. But prior to Saturday night, that was the worst loss that Bill Belichick had ever endured as um, as the head coach of the New England Patriots. Uh, there's the two. Th- I never forget it. 2009 AFC Wild Card. Ray Rice ran for. He might have ran for over 200 yards. Uh, Let's see that that 2009 playoff game. Ravens won 33, won 33 to 14. Um, let me see if I can pull up the box score here. Um, 33 to 14, which at the time was Bill Belichick's largest margin of defeat in 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 uh, playoff history since he's been a head coach of the New England Patriots. Ray Rice on the afternoon ran for. Pull up the stat sheet right quick. Ray Rice ran for on 22 carries, ran for 159 yards and two touchdowns. That was the worst loss the Patriots have ever endured in the Belichick era prior to Saturday night. And of course, Saturday night's beat down of 47 to 17, of course, took the cake. Uh, and the uh, and the and the Patriots. This is just the third time the Patriots in the history of the franchise that they have lost a playoff game by at least 30 points. The other two Super Bowl 20 when they lost by 36 to, of course, the 85 Bears and a 1963 AFL Championship game in which they lost by 41 points to the Chargers. I mean, just absolute insanity. 
Josh Allen and a Buffalo and, and that's why I said, you know, I, I, you know, no one wants to see the demise of the Kansas City Chiefs more than yours truly. But, uh, but, uh, and, and if the Steelers somehow, some way, would, against all odds, would have pulled off the upset and beaten Kansas City, I would have gotten enjoyment out of that for like about eight hours. Because then it would have hit me and be like, oh, holy crap, we gotta go up to Buffalo and play the and play the hot Buffalo Bills. And I said it. People were asking me, you know, people were asking me prior to the Raider game. People were definitely asking me after the Raider game, like John, you know, who would you who would you rather face in the second round? Would you rather face Rather face the Chiefs, rather face but you rather face Buffalo, you rather face uh, Tennessee. I mean, who would you rather face in the second round? And I and I and the answer to my question, every single one was Tennessee. Because I know Tennessee, you stop one player, you're gonna have a chance. If it comes down to who's gonna who toe to toe, who's gonna who's gonna provide the better quarterback play, I'm, I got all the confidence in the world that Joey Burrow's gonna come through. The problem is making sure that Derrick Henry doesn't take over the game before it gets too late, and we're in such deep of a deficit where you know we have to where you're racing against Derrick Henry and the play and the game clock. But I said Tennessee, I don't want to play Kansas City again yet because it's because because it's still far, you know that that the win that we had over him was a, was a short two weeks ago. So I don't want to pl- I don't want to go up against them. And I don't want to go up against them when, them when they feel on themselves, you know, because because they think they're world beaters all of a sudden because they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers who stink. I don't want to go up against them. I want to go. I want to go up, and I don't want to go up against Buffalo. And the reason why I did not want to go up against Buffalo, look at what they did on Saturday night. Look at what they. And I understand Buffalo. You know, they're not as balanced as Kansas City offensively. They're not as balanced as Kansas City. And uh, Tennessee are as far as running the football, and their uh, and their although their run defense was fairly significant, Saturday it was fairly better Saturday night. But when New England essentially is playing from a deficit right from the opening quarter, of course you're going to be able to stop the run because the Patriots aren't going to run the ball down your throat 90 million times like they did their first trip up to Orchard Park back in early De- or back on that Monday night in early December. I mean, Josh Allen had more touchdown passes than he did incompletions. Think about that for a second. Josh Allen had more touchdown passes five than incompletions four. 21 of 25, 308 passing yards, and they ran as a team for a buck 74 on the ground. I mean, that, that, that's pretty freaking good. Dawson Knox, hell of a game, had an impressive, impressive touchdown catch in, a, in the end zone. Five receptions, 89 receiving yards, two touchdown catches on the, on the, uh, on the evening for him. I mean, you don't play the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, him, the way he's slinging the football. I mean, I literally, ladies and gentlemen, was sitting there watching the game in awe. I'm like, it is eight degrees outside. Eight. I can, I can count how warm it is in Buffalo on two hands. It is eight degrees outside. And Josh Allen is slinging the football like it's, a training camp practice, 82 degree weather in the middle of August. Like, I understand, I, obviously, I'm not a professional NFL quarterback. But if it was me out there on the field, I would not have four incompletions 
throughout the entire game and throw five touchdown passes when it's eight degree weather. It doesn't matter if I'm the home team or not. If it's eight degrees, my mind is more caught up on making sure that my hands don't freeze to death and my hands don't fall off rather than chucking and slinging a football all up and down the field. And I understand, you know, he's again... He gets paid to do it. He's a professional. He's played in Buffalo for, for, for quite a few years now. He went to college in Wyoming. And it gets fairly cold up there. I get that. But this man is chucking the football all up and down the field. Again, four incomplete passes. He only, it wasn't like he threw the ball 40 times. He threw the ball 25 times. Only four incompletions. Threw for over 300 yards and five touchdown passes. In eight degree weather, and oh by the way, he didn't wear a glove, which is the which is the most remarkable thing out of all of this that he did. At least, at least to me, because me, you know, Mister Mister Soft, Mister Sensitive, my 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 hands start to go numb in 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 forty degree weather. Now I know, now I have been outside, you know, uh, quite a few times in my life in 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 frigid, ungodly temperatures where it's where the temperatures in the teens, single digits, and I've probably decided not to wear a glove, so my hands, you know, get cold very very easily. I don't if I'm dressed properly. I have a hat on, you know. I don't get cold, but my hands do. And me throwing a football when I can't feel my hands is, is probably damn near impossible. But the fact that he was slinging the football up and down the field on Bill Belichick's... I understand that the, that the Patriots defense was injured to Helen Beck heading into this game. But still against a Bill Belichick defense. Patriots won 10 games. They split the season series against them. One like he was putting up these numbers uh, you know, against, uh, against the Jets. He's just slinging a rock up and down the field in frigid temperatures with no gloves on. And, you, and, you, and you're trying to tell me that if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I want to go up against that in his building in the second round? No, thank you. I, I, I don't want to play Josh Allen the Buffalo Bills as, as far off as I possibly can. If I if 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 we win Saturday and that means I got to play him in the AFC Championship game, so be it. So be it. I'd I'd to 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 be the best, you got to beat the best. And if that means that my guys have to go into frigid Buffalo, three thirty in the afternoon and beat the Bills to win the AFC Championship and go to the Super Bowl, so be it. So be it. If they got to go through the Bills to, to, to win an AFC championship, so be it. I'd rather play them to get to the Super Bowl than play them and have them suck all the energy out of them, even if they do win, and then turn around and then go go got to go play the AFC and, and got to play uh, you know the Chiefs or somebody else in the AFC championship game. I do not I do not want that. No, thank you. I'd rather the hardest game be the game where if you win it. You get the most gratification out of it than have the hardest game be a game that if you win, great, it's over. Now on to next week because next week's game, there's higher stakes. But getting off the beaten path, 
Buffalo was just absolutely sensational. Josh Allen chucking the rock all over the place. Hell of an interception by Micah Hyde early in the first quarter. I mean, Buffalo was just absolutely clicking on all cylinders. And then from a New England Patriots standpoint, had to deal with injuries on both sides of the football heading into this game. You don't see yet. Yet, the Patriots do not have that dynamic superstar offensive weapon that can take over a game the way a Jamar Chase can on Cincinnati, the way a uh, a Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, dare I say a Julio Jones still, can on Tennessee, the way a, Ty- a Travis Kelsey Tyree Hill can on, uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs, and the way a Stephon Diggs and a Josh Allen can on the, on the Buffalo Bills. You, you don't you the, the 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 New England Patriots don't have that yet, and that's one of the main reasons why they lost the game. On top of the fact, Mac Jones was a rookie, and again he put up nice numbers this year. Mac Jones is no scrub. Let's call it like we see it. He was a game manager, and game managers, let alone that are also in the same breath, same sentence, rookie quarterbacks, nine times out of ten in hostile environments against, especially against a familiar opponent. Nine times out of ten, they're not going to come out on the winning side. It is what it is. He'll learn from it. He'll improve over the offseason. He'll put in the work. His uh, his repertoire and his skill set as a quarterback will 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 slowly but surely grow and grow as as the years go by. But you know, got to be honest, a game to win for your life. Who do you want, Mac Jones or Josh Allen? It's easy. It's an easy answer. Easy question, easy answer. You take Josh Allen. But they'll be back. Patriots will be back in the postseason. Now, the Patriots might be a little little further away from being a Super Bowl contender again than I previously thought. But they'll win 10, 11, maybe 12 games next season and make Buffalo sweat again a little bit for the division. But Buffalo, Buffalo, New England, folks, for for the for the foreseeable future is is go, is going to be uh, you know it was all domination on a part of New England for about twenty years. Buffalo got New England while they were down in that soul twenty twenty season. Now twenty twenty one and for the foreseeable future, it's it's going to ba- the this rivalry is going to balance each other balance itself out. But hey. Buffalo was a better team than New England was. Period. Case closed. And and the and the style of play that Mac Jones has uh, has uh, practiced throughout his rookie season and playoff games, hostile environments, especially playing from a deficit, that ain't a rest. That that's not that's not a recipe for long term, long sustained success. You know, it it may it may work. It may work when you're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, and the garbage that the Patriots went up against this season. But you know, Buffalo, outside of that rare occurrence where the where the ball was was blistery and they couldn't and you couldn't move the ball through the air like you wanted to because the winds were wicked crazy. When it comes down to quarterback head to head, you know, it's 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 a matter of a simple question: Who's better, Allen or Mac Jones? Yes, the Patriots have a better coach than Belichick, but you can have a you can have a better coach. But if your quarterback is average at best, or is I, and the other quarterback is a freaking superstar, soup the superstar more t- nine times out of ten is uh, is the ultimate equalizer.
And the first game on Sunday was just an absolute, was even more bigger waste of time. I mean, what in the world took Philadelphia so long? Why in the world Nick Sirianni and the offensive group down there in Tampa for Philadelphia? I mean, why it just, they, they didn't draw up any more. I mean, you drafted them in the, with your first round pick out of Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner, and Devonta Smith. I mean, for, for, for and, and I don't count, and, the 11, and a huge chunk of the 11 receptions were in garbage time. They waited way, I don't know what they were thinking and what their MO or their motive was for them to wait as long as they did to finally get Devonta Smith the football. I mean, he, he, is, he is the best playmaker you have in your passing game, and, and Jalen Hurts is, use, is using his crutch and his tight end, and Dallas Goddard ad infinitum. I mean, it can't move the ball downfield. Whenever they did, you know, when the game when the game was uh, was in question, that whenever the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, when Philadelphia did throw the football, you know, they're they're running these dink and duck screen patterns, short passing game. I mean, come on. Which also leads to the question: Is Jalen Hurts the long term answer for the franchise? Remains to be seen. They also couldn't cover Gronk worth of crap either. Gronk retorted his, recorded his uh, 15th career touchdown, uh, recorded his 15th career playoff uh, receiving touchdown, second most all-time behind Jerry Rice, who has, uh, who has 22. And, and that touchdown catch he had Sunday afternoon tied Reggie Wayne for the third most receptions in playoff history with 93. But uh, you know, it was just an absolute the the, the game the thirty one fifteen when it wasn't even that close. Eagles scored fifteen of their points in garbage time. You might as well say the final score that game was thirty was thirty one to nothing. The beatdown was so bad, and the game was on and the game was 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 unwatchable after halftime. Completely, completely unwatchable. Steelers and Chiefs were so bad, I started to nod off to sleep prior to the Cam Hayward uh, forced fumble and the T.J. Watt scoop and score that uh, put the Steelers on their board for what seemed for a long period of time in that football game, Pittsburgh's first touchdown scored on defense and and what for a long time ended up being their only touchdown in the game on a 42-21 beatdown in Kansas City. Um... And by the way, the Steelers losing by 21, Patriots by 30, Cardinals losing by 23. I'll get to in a minute during the opening week in the playoffs. It's only the second instance in the NFL in NFL playoff history of three teams losing by a margin of 20 points or more during the opening round of the playoffs. And first since that's happened in, since 1982. But I mean, I mean, we all know the Steelers, and it's funny. And I, I again, I tweeted. Because Brandon Staley decided to call a timeout in that overtime period a week from this past Sunday is the reason why America w- was uh, was essentially s- subjected to watching that unwatchable, unentertaining garbage for three hours. Brandon Staley. I mean, my goodness gracious. I mean, c- can you be dumber? I'd I'd have rather seen the Chargers, you know, be in, be in the tournament than uh, than the Pittsburgh Steelers, who again uninspired. Give them credit for getting there. All the credit in the world. And again, nobody, and I expected Pittsburgh to put up a little bit more of a fight outside of a scoreless first quarter, to be quite honest with you. But again, offense can't do a freaking thing. 
Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's, I sound like a broken record with this. I mean, it's just Matt Canada has to go. I mean, it's just it, it's it's uninspiring. It's 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 boring, not entertaining, and it's just not winning football. Ben throwing the ball forty plus times, arm is shot, can't move the ball downfield, worth the crap, and they can't run the ball. One dimensional offense. You know, had not it been for T.J. White, Cam Hayward, Steelers probably would have gotten shut out in this in the in the game. And I'm not going to, you know, wave the pom-poms and go crazy about Kansas City because bottom line, you're Kansas City and you are, I forgot how much they were favored heading into this game, probably by like 12 or so points or whatever it was. You get into this game against a team that you didn't beat the suffering out of about a, a couple weeks prior. I understand what I said about tough to beat, a, to beat the same team twice, especially within a three-week period that Kansas City had to accomplish against Pittsburgh. But my goodness gracious, I mean, a, a, a scoreless First quarter, I'm not going to wave the I'm not going to wave the pom poms for Kansas City simply because of the fact that if they would have showed up and if they would have and if they would have been raring to go and their offense would have been awake in the first quarter. Again, Mahomes threw a first quarter interception, and if Pittsburgh had any semblance of an offense, Kansas City would have had to would have had to been playing from a uh, from a decent deficit to be uh, to, you know to begin the football game. Where they slept walk through the first quarter, got away with it because it's Pittsburgh. You go you do that against against Tennessee, Buffalo, Cincinnati, any of those three teams, whether it's Buffalo this week, and if you beat Buffalo and you have to and you go up against Tennessee or Cincinnati in a championship game, not gonna be able to get away with that. Starting out slow, lethargic, Mahomes first quarter interception, you're not gonna be able to recover from that against against teams with actual offenses. And in uh, Buffalo, who we just talked about, uh, Cincinnati most definitely, and Tennessee for sure. Not going to be able to get away with that. They got away with it because Pittsburgh's offense is the equivalent of a, of a, of a JV high school team. They're that bad. That's, that's, the, that's the sole reason why they got away with it. Otherwise, you know, Pittsburgh would have had about a, 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 a 10, 13 point lead. Had they had they had any uh, any uh, living signs of a real offense, but I'm not going to wait the pom poms for him. I understand what Mahomes did and the fact you know Mahomes same amount of playoff games with three or more touchdown passes. Five is Drew Brees, Marino, the Kurt one. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go crazy about it. No quarterback in the NFL history has had more games with 400 plus passing yards and five touchdown passes than Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to go nuts about that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go nuts. Why? Because if they would have showed up in the first quarter, they would have dropped. Mahomes would have thrown for for 500 yards and would have dropped 50 on Pittsburgh's head. Had they showed up in the first quarter. So I'm. I'm not, and I, and I don't expect them to beat Buffalo this weekend either, because of that reason. Buffalo didn't waste any time. Buffalo came out, guns blazing right from their opening possession. Didn't waste any time. Kansas City, you know, got to wake up a little bit. You know, they they got they got to wake up, wipe the wipe the Sandman out of their eyes, yawn a couple times, stretch, finally get out of the bed. You know, it's, it's, regular season, you know, going up against you know Washington and Philadelphia and teams that they ended up beating, but but had this similar routine against them. You get away with that. Teams with actual offenses, teams that are hungry, teams that you know that, that unlike you 
haven't been to a Super Bowl either ever or in quite a while, they're not going to waste any time, especially in playoff games. You start out slow and lethargic against Tennessee, you, you got your you got your behinds handed to you back in October. You started slow. You started slow against against the Cincinnati a few weeks ago. Yes, you had a lead and you and you had a at, at many points of times a two touchdown lead against Cincinnati. But you know it was a two touchdown lead where it realistically could have been a could have been a three touchdown lead or a three four possession game. You let Cincinnati creep back against them. What happens? You start out slow on the third against the Ravens. What happens? You get beat. So, you know, so you can't be doing it against these teams. And Buffalo is too good right now. Their offense is too hot right now for Kansas City and Mahomes to, you know, fart around for a quarter. And all of a sudden, the second quarter comes around, they turn on a little light switch. And it's all of a sudden, oh, now I want to show up and come to work and, 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 and play well and put points up. Or go up against one of these, any of these teams that are left. Buffalo, Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Kansas City keeps this crap up. They're going to be sorry. That's the, that Super Bowl Super Bowl contending teams don't do don't do stuff like that. I understand mistakes happen, but this has been a trend for for Kansas City all season long. This has been a trend, a trend. No reason why they shouldn't have dropped fifty on Pittsburgh the other night. No reason, and no reason why they couldn't have at minimum scored at least two touchdowns in the opening quarter against Pittsburgh either. They had, they, they had two turnovers. Two. And again, if Pittsburgh had any semblance of an offense, they, they would have paid for it greatly. They paid for it with one of the turnovers. Andy Reid trying to get too cute with, the, with running a wildcat formation. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's a free touchdown and a free possession. You give, you give Cincinnati... Buffalo or Tennessee a free touchdown, you you ain't gonna be looking at a at a third straight Super Bowl appearance. I guarantee I guarantee you that. Guarantee you. You know, Raiders, same thing. Missed opportunities. Five trips, one touchdown, three field goals, through an interception. That was the backbreaker at the end. And penalties. Can't beat yourself. Speaking of beating yourself, how about the, uh, that's what she said, by the way. How about the Arizona Cardinals? You know, Cliff, how many times got to sit up here and scream me out about Cliff Kingsbury about how he's not a big-time coach? 2019 starts out the season 3-3-1. They collapse final nine games, go 2-7. 2020, they start 5-2, collapse at 3-6, miss the playoffs. Start games 1-7, through 7-0. They shut out 10-0 on the season, collapse down the stretch final nine, 10 games, 4-6. I mean, and, I mean, come on. I mean, they start out strong, and then they fall, no pun intended, right off a cliff. Story of Cliff Kingsbury's life as NFL head coach. Inconsistent and chokes, and his team collapses when, uh, you know, at the most ill, at the most uh, Ill, ill-timed, in the most ill-timed manner. His t- his you want to talk about a team that also wasn't uh, raring to, raring to go and wasn't ready to play and was uninspiring and lethargic and just absolutely abysmal the Cardinals. You know I I I try not to let the height thing 
you know, hinder Kyler Murray and what he can do as an NFL quarterback. But you see why it's like, man, like, is this guy really going to be a long-term successful quarterback at the height that he's at with his inaccurate throws, pulling a Carson Wentz, trying to, trying to heave a ball over his head instead of just humbling himself, swallowing his pride and taking a safety? I mean, he was pathetic. I understand it's his first ever NFL playoff game, but he was pathetic. 19 of 34, buck 37, two interceptions, one of them resulting in a pick six. He was terrible. Poor A.J. Green still waiting for that first playoff win. He was, he was abysmal. And Cliff Kingsbury didn't have his guys ready to play. He's head coach, falls on him. I really, outside of the Cowboy game, and then that's really the only outlier because... Because Kyler Murray, you know, turns into turns into uh, you know t- Tom Brady when he plays at AT and T uh, Stadium down there in Dallas. Outside of that, completely collapsed down the stretch. Uh, you know, lost lost eight points to Seattle, thirty eight thirty week seventeen, a game that they had to have for seeding purposes. Got the got ambushed by Indianapolis, who was who came into that game without many of their star players, Darius Leonard being one of them on Christmas night. Uh, got ambushed and embarrassed by the uh, by the Detroit Lions on December the nineteenth. Uh, lost to the Rams by a touchdown on that Monday night game where Cliff Kingsbury screwed up when his team was trying to play catch-up down by 10 in his own building. I mean, it's just pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And I think, you know, if if Cliff Kingsbury repeats repeats this again next season, they start out fresh, nice little record through, you know, through, uh, through November, and they proceed to have another second half collapse again and either don't make the playoffs or don't win a playoff game next year, I'm sorry. Call it a cutthroat business. Call it being part of a quote-unquote microwave society. But Cliff Kingsbury's got to go. It's got to go. Stuff like this falls on him. Being unprepared, not ready to, not ready to play, flat as a pancake, uninspiring, beating yourselves. Incompetent offensive play falls on him. Period. And Kyle Murray, with all due respect, I understand first ever playoff appearance. But I mean, good God, man, you you couldn't have played any worse than you did Monday night. That you want to talk about an unwatchable game? Now that game was the Tampa Philadelphia. I thought was one thing. That Monday night game, which again, as I've said, ad infinitum 9,000 times shouldn't be a thing. That game should have been played, you know, that game should have been played Saturday night instead of Monday night because how is it fair that, that, that Green Bay gets a week off in between and the Rams have a show? I understand they, that they put the game on, on Sunday, on Sunday, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Ram, uh, the Ram, uh, Buck game will, Actually, well, they didn't have to play the Packers. What am I talking about? I understand that uh, that uh, that you know Monday night, all that sort of stuff, and I'd be very, very, very curious to see the ratings for it. That game should have been played this weekend, and by weekend, I mean Saturday or Sunday, not this Super Wild Card weekend playing on Monday night garbage. You know, and it's not right that 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 the Bucks have a benefit of. Uh, it's bad enough, you know, that that uh, the Rams got to fly cross country to play them, uh, and upset their body clock and everything else. 
they and they get an extra home game and an extra day off of work. Meanwhile, the Rams got to have the short week, short turnaround, two games in a in a seven eight day period. Turn around, play a, play a road playoff game across the country against the Bucks. I mean, is that fair? Not to mention making the making the uh, the West Coast fan and, uh, with the Cardinals and the Rams that are both on the West Coast watch that game at at five fifteen five twenty local time, and the LA Ram fan getting to the getting to the game in Inglewood having to put up with the god awful LA uh, rush hour traffic. I mean seriously. NFL, there's, there's only, there's only, you can only bend and, and push the envelope so much when it comes to you canning for television and making it more about, you know, getting the almighty buck, and you know when you uh, sacrifice the uh, the integrity of the sport and, uh, and and say to hell with your team. I mean, it's all, it's all, you can only push the envelope, but for so, but for so far. I hate the, you know, and we saw this weekend too that that the extra we only saw it with, with the one minor case because we all knew last year that the uh, that the uh, Bears had no business being in the playoffs against the Saints last year, but this year was just as bad. This, the Steelers and the Eagles had no business, none whatsoever, being in the being in the playoffs, and without those two teams in it, you, you would have saved yourselves. Two extra games of blowout, uninspiring, boring, lethargic football. Again, I and 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 I you I can count on one hand how many times I've I've fallen asleep not just on playoff football games but football games in general of the NFL variety. I can't I can't get enough of NFL football. But I, I was dozing off, fitting to count sheep until until the until the JJ White interception until the JJ White. JJ, the TJ White scooping score. I got to be honest. Steelers and Eagles had zero business being in the playoffs, and last year I was like, all right, well, all but all but you know all but one game. Although the Steelers Browns game was a blowout, it was very entertaining to watch. All the games for the you know Colts Bills came down to the final second. Rams and Seahawks wasn't terrible. Uh, Washington Bucks wasn't terrible. You didn't have halfway. You didn't have uh, necessarily bad playoff games last year. So I was like, I wasn't in favor of it. wasn't my idea, but I'll live with the extra playoff team this year. Go go back to the go back to the twelfth teams make the postseason because because this is ridiculous. I understand, you know, an extra playoff game, more money for the league, everything else. But, I mean, no one was – no, again, it's the same example I gave you. When it's a bad playoff football game on, unless you want to, you know, if, 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 if you catch it at a blowout early, there's nothing, you know, you can put on – you can put a movie on or whatever. You're stuck with a bad blowout playoff NFL game, you're dead. It's not like regular season football unless it's a uh, primetime standalone game where you can go flip on the red zone or flip on a Sunday ticket and watch an, a, uh, an alternative game. You have no alternative options. But the game stunk completely, completely. Cardinals-Rams, unwatchable. Unwatchable. Could Kingsbury bring your offense next time? Matthew Stafford, give him credit. Finally, got the he liked the Bengals got the playoff monkey off the back first ever playoff victory. Didn't try to do too much. Played within his means. Didn't play hero ball. 
didn't put up glamorous offensive numbers, but he did what he did for you know for his team to win the game. And quite frankly, from a quarterback position, as when he's got the track record that he has with so much playoff ineptitude and playoff futility, that's all he can really ask for. They ran the ball phenomenally well. Odell Beckham Jr. Again, I, I, I can't scream and yell about him. Played a phenomenal game yes, uh, last night. Pat, nice pass play for 40 yards across his body, across the field. And, you know, had a nice, again, not going to blow up your stat sheet. And if you're playing them in your little Dan- in your daily fantasy little playoff football pool, didn't put up tremendous points. But, but, a, but he, a productive Four receptions, 54 yards receiving, and he had a tremendous... That's the touchdown catches I care about. The, the, the impressive, holy crap, how they do that touchdown catches when it matters in playoff games. Not, you know, blowout, uh, not blowout regular season Sunday night football games when your team's four or five games under 500. That, you know, blow up the internet, but you don't win the game. I could kill us about those catches. I care about the catches that you saw Odell have in the first half, which was absolutely stupendous, that, that, that wins his team's playoff games. That's what I care about. And Odell did a phenomenal job. Four receptions, 54 yards, and a nice touchdown reception. I, listen, can't scream and yell about Odell. Phenomenal game Monday night. Nice contribution, he's kept his mouth shut, head down, been all about business, been a phenomenal teammate, has not been toxic to the locker room. Give, give him credit, done a phenomenal job. Give, give, got to give, got to be fair, got to give Odell his flowers. He, he, he's played very, very well as a Ram thus far. Very well. Very well. The, 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 only, the only Odell-esque moment I've seen from him since he's been a Ram, when he, again, when he inexplicably wanted to punch Chuck Clark's uh, butthole when he intercepted Matthew Stavitt for the second time in the first half of the Ram-Raven game. Outside of that, he's been a model citizen for the Rams thus far. Got to be fair, got to be honest, got to be accurate. Give Odell his props, he deserves it. That's an episode of the Amitaka TIS podcast in the books. If you like what you heard and you're new to the program, please subscribe if you haven't already. Follow your boy on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amitella underscore podcast. And the show on Twitter at Amitella underscore it TIS. It is your boy, Jai Shields. I will talk to you Friday to preview divisional round the weekend of the NFL playoffs, along with other storylines in the sports. It is your boy, Jai Shields. Stay safe. I will talk to you Friday. See you.